First episode of Adolescence After Alderaan. We're your hosts. I'm Caroline Guthrie. I'm Meg Variello. And we are going to be guiding you on our journey through the Star Wars Expanded Universe, now known as Star Wars Legends, yeah. and uh, its connections, maybe not immediately obvious connections, but connections with girlhood and youth and growing up in a particular moment, maybe in all moments. We'll yeah. see how it goes. And how it maybe not only we were part of the expanded universe but expanded our other pop culture interests i think absolutely the expanded yeah. universe um it's a shame that it's sort of taken a back seat but we're hoping to bring it <laughs> forward again bring forward the extended it's, there's too it's too rich a universe to just be be lost yeah and i feel like um we're recording this in a library and those extended universe books are going to be stuck in the <laughs> sort of hallowed halls for a very long time um, unless we sort of bring them to the forefront. Yeah, absolutely. So this episode will be a little different than our episodes to come. Then we'll be sort of reading and working through these books together. But to start off, we're just going to uh, introduce ourselves, introduce our connections to Star Wars yeah. and all of that. And I guess the the obvious place to start with that is the most recent Star Wars movie, Star Wars uh, The Last Jedi. Episode 8. Episode 8. So these are the, the trilogy that necessitated the retirement right. of the... Although it has a lot of, as we'll talk about, I think, in upcoming episodes, has taken a lot of inspiration... I think from yeah, you can definitely from, see the like influence of the expanded universe. And actually, just the other day, uh, Ryan Johnson justified sort of a controversial moment in the movie by drawing on an expanded universe book, right. like showing a, a Twitter picture of it. Yeah. So it's continuing to be a big part of the convert the conversation. So, so let's start with you, Meg. What did yeah. you think of Star Wars: The Last I Jedi? Mean, I loved it, as <laughs> <laughs> I hoped, and I think probably ninety nine percent knew. That I would. Um, I think Ryan Johnson did an amazing job. I really enjoyed the fact, and a lot of um, articles had sort of written about how he was not only inspired by the original series, the episodes four through six, but took inspiration from what those films took inspiration from. So, like the samurai movies, the sort of serials of the first half of the 20th century. And I really felt that Last Jedi, maybe even more so, or I think probably definitely more so than The Force Awakens, felt like a fresher version of Star Wars and it felt you know in some ways a lot lighter and sort of new and um you know honored the original series while also yeah I I definitely agree I felt like it brought a lot that was new to the table without feeling um untrue to Star Wars and I think those kind of like visual nods to the original source material Mm -hmm. really worked a lot um, there's been a lot of controversy yes. from <laughs> pe- from fans of Star Wars and this idea of like whose stories are they? You right. know, are they our stories? Are they, you know, and who's who is our when we talk about fans? And right? Is the Disney mark on it? I really didn't feel like I saw Disney's handprints on it at all. I think they're very hands off. Yeah, with Star I Wars. I didn't see Disney. I I, I saw something really interesting a couple of days ago and I didn't watch it. But there was something on AVClub.com about a fan was angry about Last Jedi, who recut the film to take out all the female characters. Right, yeah. I think that, <laughs> I think there's something, uh, you know, and I think considering what our podcast is about and sort of focus on girlhood and how this fits in, that, like, if this film had come out when we were starting our Star Wars journey in the Spinning <laughs> Universe, like, it would have been the best thing ever because of those sort of, like, really powerful female characters. Um and it does seem like that a lot of that backlash is that not only is it like wh- whose story is it in, in considering like the fans versus like Ryan Johnson versus Disney versus Lucasfilm, but th- also like whose story is it in the Star Wars itself? Like, is it Luke's story? Is it Ben Solo's story? Is it Ray's story? Like, wh- which characters get to own the world of the film? And right. I think, you know, there seemed to be a bit of a backlash in the sense that, you know, Luke changed a lot and the characters that we 
loved sort of took a back seat yeah. to these like really interesting new yeah, female it was characters. Very much there. passing the torch both to to Ray and we got to meet Rose and right. she was I thought phenomenal. Um, I also loved it as you yeah. know. I thought it was <laughs> you know when all of this sort of discussion about the 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 fan hate versus the critical love started up. Sort of where the position I adopted, I guess, is, has been. Um, I don't. I wouldn't say it's a perfect movie. You know, they don't make perfect movies very right. often. But I think it might be a perfect Star Wars movie. Yes, um, definitely. Star Wars movies are all deeply imperfect yes. movies, and I say that with all the love in the world. Sometimes <laughs> the flaws just make it just make it better. And I mean, the original trilogy has all kinds of issues. You know, the timeline doesn't make any sense in Empire Strikes Back, and right. the dialogue's really clunky in a lot of places. And you know, yeah. Luke's really whiny, <laughs> and remains so. All kinds of things, but like it's those kind of those imperfections really work the imperfections in the prequels somehow like don't are not so endearing in other ways and i feel like these movies the imperfections are once again sort of like endearing like the characters being you know making bad choices but bad choices that make sense for characters and it feels more in service of them than necessarily in service of a story because like truthfully in the last Jedi, i guess i mean for ray there is but in the the rebels there's not that much of a story right they're just sort of like moving slowly away from something. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and that sort of, like, serialized sense of, like, what A New Hope was and what Empire Strikes Back maybe wasn't quite as much, but that, like, something happens and something else happens and something else happens that, like, there is a story arc, but you're in these sort of little vignettes... Um, yeah, it's got kind of like a Perils of Pauline thing. Right, it's like right. you narrowly escape from this and you go straight into the next problem and you narrowly escape from that and you go straight into the right, the next of, problem. Um, and to me, that's more true of sort of what the inspiration for something like A New Hope was than obviously Phantom Menace, which I think sort of, I'm not sure what took inspiration <laughs> from, not from um, those same source material. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I have to say that I was really impressed with uh, Last Jedi, I really liked, and I think that's another thing people don't like, is I like that it um, subverted a lot of the expectations yeah. that the original uh, movies trained you to have. So right. we have this idea that, you know, you've got a small, breakaway, scrappy team doing something very daring at the last minute. Like, it's definitely going to work, and right. it, it didn't it work. work. Yeah. And you have this sort of, like, roguish, charming, adorable guy who's great and, like, says he's out for himself, but you just know he has a heart of gold. And right. it's like, he no, he does not have a heart of gold. <laughs> His heart is, (laughs) you know, true neutral, I guess. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And like it got to the point that when uh, Finn was doing his run at the big light thing, I I really thought he was going to get killed off. And like there was no way that prior to all those other subversions, I would have felt like that scene had any stakes to it. So I feel like they broke down enough that I really felt like there were stakes to every moment yeah yeah and I think another thing that I found sort of refreshing about last Jedi was the humor in it and how sort of goofy it was (laughs) in a lot of ways and goofy in a very different way than the prequels which sort of I think was accidentally sort of goofy and this really took um the sort of like silliness and kind of like comic book dialogue that the first film definitely had like a new hope yeah has become such a part of our lives that you don't really notice it so much, but like there are some really funny, weird, like straight out of a comic book lines in that movie. And I think um, last Jedi really did a good job of sort of like bringing back that kind of um, like ridiculous humor. Yeah. No, I mean, Luke with the milking, the the green milk and all that kind of stuff. (laughs) And yeah, I guess this is something we can get into more with expanding universe, but I, I liked I I liked how they didn't stop to explain things. Oh yeah, in Last Jedi, yeah. that you know they're like, you know, all these theories like who's Snoke, where did he come from? He's Plagueis, he's this, he's that. I was like, I don't know, he's dead now. Right. <laughs> who, cares? <laughs> who cares where he came <laughs> from? Or you know, well, like wait, now that the First Order blew up this governing body, are there new elected right. officials coming yeah. forward? Like what's going? Who cares? Right. It doesn't matter. <laughs> we know that's not going to matter. And, yeah. On the one hand, you know, you have questions, but on the other hand, the huge problem with the prequels was it devoted all of its time to right. just trying to answer those trade like mechanics of how do trade blockades <laughs> happen and what do what's a quorum in the Galactic Senate? Right, and right. Stuff. And yeah, it turns out that's, that's boring. And if anything, like 
that is the space that the expanded universe filled, right? Right, like the, right. the, the details. The movies didn't go into these details, but if you were curious, right. like you could curious. find a book right. that would answer answer your question. Right. Right? I think it might be interesting down the road to maybe explore um, the new canon books because there's been a couple out since Force Awakens and seeing what they how they sort of fill in those details for this new version. Yeah, absolutely. Because there's definitely there's definitely a lot of space. Yeah. There's definitely a lot of space where things could could go. Right. Yeah. yeah. So maybe we sh- that's where we should transition. Right. Hop into the Wayback Machine. And <laughs> first time you saw Star Wars. <laughs> so the first time I saw Star Wars was when the uh, special editions mm-hmm. were coming out. The special editions were coming to the theaters. And I must have been in the second or third grade. And I saw like a commercial for it. It must have been on television. I saw a commercial on television and the kids at school were talking about it. And I was like, okay. And went to my parents and I was like, I want to go see Star Wars in the movie theater. I want to go see Star Wars. And my mom, it turns out, was not a big Star Wars fan. Mm -hmm. She saw it in the 1970s and was like, I don't get it. And (laughs) my dad was, you know, fine with Star Wars, but he was just like, that movie's been out for like 30 years. (laughs) We don't have to go to the theater to see Star Wars. Um, so we rented it from, from Blockbuster and I had a lot of questions going in, you know, who is Princess Leia, all this kind of stuff, but it was just, it was just watch the movie. So I watched it, loved it. Oh my God, loved it. Uh, and saw the other ones the same way. I saw them, I rented, renting them from, from Blockbuster, which means that I guess those first viewings were the, not the special edition. Right, those were not yet. Those were the original yeah. ones. And then I had the VHS tapes of uh, New Hope and Empire Strikes Back. And those were the special editions. Right. And they had these little like documentaries at the front of them about how they made the special oh, editions. Awesome. Yeah. Where like George Lucas would talk about how <laughs> like he always felt like this scene was unfinished. And like he was so excited to have this footage of, you know, a guy in a big furry coat right. being Jabba the Hutt. And having Harrison Ford walk around him and... You know, I always watched it because, you know, what are you going to do? Fast forward. And, uh, you know, I loved it. It's the thing with kids, you know, whatever form it's in, I didn't have any objection to the special edition. I get it now. Like, I understand (laughs) Han shot first, you know, uh, the the weird dancey singing number at Jabba's Palace. Lots of, yeah, there were questionable choices. Questionable choices made. But at the time, you know, no objections. So yeah. I loved I loved it. A couple years later, the prequels came out. Right. Didn't love them as much, but still, you know, had yeah. a good time. I definitely saw Phantom Menace in theaters at least twice. Yeah. Um, but so that was sort of where I met Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I, you know, for me, Star Wars was like one of several, like, worlds that yes. I loved, that I wanted to inhabit, right? So I had... Um, like my Star Wars world and my like Robin Hood world and my um, Sherlock Holmes world. Star Wars were my most contemporary yeah. world, I guess, my Greek <laughs> mythology world. Um, everything else. And I think that in some ways that Star the fact that as a child, my logic was that Star Wars fit into those speaks to the fact that I feel like Star Wars is much more like a fantasy than yes. a science fiction. Uh, yeah, 100%. Um, so it was very you know, mythic and big. But Star Wars was the one that was sort of like mine by myself. Right. Like those other ones were all things that I played with, you know, with my friends with. My, you know, we would write stories or run around and stuff. And right. Star Wars was really like just for me. And I don't really know why that is, but it was sort of a like a personal kind of in my room. I would listen to my Star Wars audiobook or read right. my books or I didn't have a lightsaber, but I had like a Han Solo blaster. And so that was... Sorry. It was so it was it was very big for me and I loved it, but it wasn't something that I like shared with people. It was right. my personal. personal Star Wars moments. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so how about you? So similar. I I also my first introduction to Star Wars was when the special editions came out. Although my dad was different in the same way. <laughs> he said, "We are going to see this in the theater. You have to see Star Wars on a big screen." Uh, and I guess I had some familiarity with just pop culture, um, but had never sat down and watched them. Um, and so we went to a movie theater that is now no longer there at the Smith Haven Mall on Long Island. And that was it. I was <laughs> sought and done. Like, <laughs> I was hooked. And I think if I remember correctly that the special editions came out like a couple weeks apart. Yeah, they so was, staggered out. Yeah, it was like A New Hope and then like maybe a month later Empire Strikes Back. But because I was just sort of hooked in immediately, we did go to Blockbuster and then rent. And I, I rent the original series. And I also do not remember feeling very strongly about 
like special edition versus. No. <laughs> I don't remember noticing any differences. Um, and again, same as you, like I understand now that there's some very big differences <laughs> and I know why people are upset about it. Um, but as you know, I would think I was in, in fifth grade um, and I had friends at school who were also into it. Um, and so we would play Star Wars and play Jedi. And that was a big part of my <laughs> everyday life. Um, and I think it sort of stems, I think similarly, like I did sort of inhabit certain worlds and I, it was not the first film series that I was like obsessed with. I think as like a very little girl, it was like Wizard of Oz and then a little bit older for some reason, it's not for some reason, it's because I had a friend who was very into the Back to the Future series, which seems weird <laughs> like a third grade girl to be like obsessed with Back to the Future, but I was obsessed with Back to the Future and like imagine like... That I was like Marty McFly's sister, and like going on the adventure. <laughs> oh my god, that was how I got into every world. I was everybody's younger sister. Yeah. I was like a scrappy, sort yeah. of sassy, yeah. like completely ruining the narrative of the story. But like, I was just there, yeah. and I would sort of insert myself into these films. Um, and so I think that was, and you know, came out after Star Wars, but I think was obviously, you know not genre maybe but tonally sort of inspired by those films so it seemed like a pretty easy sort of jump from that i was also very into jim henson and films like labyrinth and dark crystals that fantasy aspect of it um translated over i think very well but star wars was just like and i think it was because there were three movies and there were hundreds of books and so the world was never ending and there was always some other place to go and to learn um, and it wasn't confined to that space. Like, there weren't, like, expanded universe yeah. Back to the Future novels. No, but there but, were expanded universe But Star Wars, Wars, like, it could go as far as you were willing to go. Like, you could read every Robin Hood book in the library. You could watch all the Back to the Future movies and right. read the novelizations in your diet. Right, but with Star Wars, and that's a nice thing about coming into Star Wars in the early aughts was that like that work was already done right if you saw it in 1977 and you loved it I guess then you just had to wait right Right. (laughs) and see what happened and I think also like that period like the late 90s early 2000s was also when you know it's gonna make us sound so old but like the internet was around and I was on the internet but like it was really in those years that like Wikipedia and like search you could like I remember when Phantom Menace came out like looking at images from the movie like before the film had come out and that was a pretty new thing that like it was pretty readily available for people. It wasn't like... Yeah, but there wasn't like a, just a reliable source of information. Right. You know, you could go on Ask Jeeves and hope for the best. Right, there was like Wikipedia, which there is now. So I think that was also like with the expanded universe and also sort of the internet coming into this sort of like archive state that it is in now um, was really helpful in sort of solidifying that obsession that I yeah. could go online and like look at pictures and like... <laughs> find information about Phantom Menace. And when Phantom Menace came out, I was very excited. Oh, definitely. I saw it, I, I don't know if I saw it at midnight, but I definitely saw it the first, it might have been midnight the first night it came out. And like, I, I was still young enough that I don't think I realized that it was bad. That it was bad. Like it just, bad movies didn't. Yeah, no, I'm definitely the same. I didn't know it was bad. I didn't know it was bad. Um, And I think by the time Attack of the Clones had come out, I was still excited about Attack of the Clones, but diminishing returns and then by Revenge of the Sith. It was sort of... I think I only saw Revenge of the Sith in the theater once, which is Same. pretty weird. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, I was still, like... It wasn't like I had to be dragged there. That was actually one of the first dates that my husband and I oh, went on. Was, no. to <laughs> yeah. was to go see uh, Revenge of the Sith. And he, like, loves it more than I do. Like, right. I definitely... it's I, I see its redeeming qualities, but right. I don't love it. Um yeah, Attack of the Clones is kind of incoherent, right? <laughs> like, we, yeah, you and I watched it together, and right. I still don't know what happened. No, it's, it's and, definitely the worst of the three. <laughs> it's just in terms of, like, narrative coherence. I at least know what happens in Phantom Menace. Yeah, yeah, I was super excited for Phantom Menace. I'm not as excited for the other ones, but I still I stuck with it. And, you know, so maybe the new ones definitely feel a lot more a lot more joyful. This is just something I was curious about. Yeah. When you saw Empire Strikes Back, did you already know that Darth Vader was Luke Skywalker's father? I think I did. I This is interesting, and I think this goes to, like, my entire history with, like, spoilers and how I feel about spoilers, yeah. is that, like, if I really love something, it sort of doesn't matter right. whether or not I know. Um, I, I assume that I did because 
It's iconic. Everybody did. Right. Yeah. I, I, I don't remember being shocked. Right. No, I definitely knew because they had done like a Star Wars homage during a fantasy sequence of Clarissa Explains It All. Uh, where okay. <laughs> yeah. So, and you know, I was, I'm just curious as to whether or not like kids know that now. Because on the one hand, I feel like it's more iconic than ever. But on the other hand the sort of references you get in kids' pop culture. Right. It's, it's different, right? When we were kids, like, Muppet Babies actually used, like, Star Wars footage. Right. and But then, you know, Dottie watches Sesame, my daughter watches Sesame Street, and they have a I am your father joke in their Star Wars sketch. Yeah. So maybe there's no way to, to come fresh yeah. to that at yeah. this point. I assume I did. I, I do not remember being surprised, surprised by that. <laughs> um, and I think, like, I think also... Like, just not even sort of the references, but, like, that narrative of, like, that surprise. I guess for kids, is probably not as poignant, but as an adult, like, if I was watching A New Hope for the first time and then watch Empire Strikes Back, I'd be like, oh, of course. Like, right, yeah. Of course he's his father. Like, that has to be. There has um, to be a connection between these two that we're pairing so right, much. Right, And so, which, I think. Which I guess is something that they subvert in Last Jedi, that right. there is no right. connection. like. like foot down like no (laughs) (laughs) which a lot of people are like not believing people are saying that kylo was lying about ray's parents about this and that which i don't buy it (laughs) can you imagine (laughs) if return of the jedi had come out and luke had said to obi-wan like why didn't you tell me and obi-wan had been like what no he's he's not your father that's that's crazy your father was named dave he was was a moisture farmer he was like a normal guy a great guy like you can't you can't put something out there especially with all that like search your feelings you know it it's in your heart and blah blah and like nah forget that that's not what the fans expected he's just messing with them i mean that'd be great that would make me respect anakin a whole lot more anakin as we know from watching the prequels doesn't have that kind of like subtle footwork in his repertoire or any sort of lightness of humor (laughs) not a jokester he's not puckish he takes things very that's a yoda move that's a yoda would 100 percent lie to luke about his parentage yoda was just in it for the in it for the giggles oh Um, man awesome yeah it's good but yeah i think you know it, it has definitely i i think about the kinds of things in terms of sort of series or books or movies that have like shaped me as like an adult and like star wars is probably the first one that really sort of stuck and like i watched this when i was like 10 or 11 right so right before adolescence that and i've never left star like i i've gone through periods where i've like not really read any star wars novels or not um watch the movies for you know a year or so but like i've never not been excited about like new star wars stuff coming out in a way that i've definitely left behind other sort of series or you know fantasy series books movies yeah yeah i definitely feel like star wars is something that can grow with you and maybe that's something that people found we keep coming back to the prequels but i think maybe that's something that people found disappointing about the prequels was that they were much more like targeted towards children in a way that the original movies were just like adventure stories for everyone right the year that my cousin much younger cousin got the special editions on cassette for christmas like we all you know, right. aunts, uncles, everybody watched them together right. for Christmas. And, you yeah. know, we just had a nice time. We talked about how Darth Vader keeps his helmet so shiny in the jungle. Yeah. <laughs> it's difficult. <laughs> <laughs> Anakin, if you knew him, you yeah. understand. <laughs> um, yeah, so did you go straight from Star Wars to the Expanded Universe? Or was there, like, sort of a period before you discovered the Expanded Universe? I think it was probably pretty immediate because I think probably some of you like I wanted immersion (laughs) into this world um and we live right around the corner from a Borders bookstore which is now no longer um a company (laughs) Borders was like my just gonna be an exploration of expired landmarks but Borders was like the place to go um as a kid and my parents would take me there and just like hang out at Borders and look at books and because the special editions were out there were always sort of like stanchions and like sections of the bookstore that were just completely devoted to Star Wars books. So it was very easy as a child to just like snatch me up in the sort of visual of Star Wars. <laughs> um, and I do not remember what the first expanded universe book I read. Um, it was probably, I mean, I started with the sort of um, 
like picture books and kind of like visual dictionaries of Star Wars, which was only somewhat expanded universe, sort of just like building on the details of the movies. Um, but I think I probably started with like Courtship of Princess Leia. That's such an amazing place yeah. to start. Heir <laughs> to the Empire series, like that, the sort of earlier Shadows, what is it, Shadow of the Empire, the one that takes place between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, like those, which I look back now and I think, I was 11, like those are actually, <laughs> like books written for adults. Was that the one where they had like a guy who was like a Tatooine kind of crime boss or something? It was like a Black Sun and, no, that was after that Return was of after, the Jedi. Yeah. That was after Return of the Jedi. The Shadow of the Empire, I believe, had Dash Rendar in it, who was oh, like okay. a Han Solo sort of. I was very much in love. <laughs> we've, we've binged Han Solo, yeah. so let's bring out right. Dash Rendar. Yeah. Um, and I think he and Leia had sort of like a little bit of a flirtation. Um, and it sort of just like explained what happened between. And I think that was the first one. From my recollection of like the history of the expanded universe, I think that came out in the 80s or early 90s and was one of the first like novels that sort of precipitated the rest of the expanded universe. Yeah. Yeah, I think I had a sort of similar hook of just seeing them on the shelf yeah. at Barnes & Noble. And, I mean, my parents, like, were fairly... I mean, they weren't really strict because I definitely watched plenty of stuff. But it, they, it to me as a child, felt like they yeah. were strict about screen time. Yeah. Like, I didn't have a TV in my room. and <laughs> Really big deal, all that sort of stuff. But, like, books were pretty much, you know, right. open. You could have whatever books you wanted to read. You could, you know, read as many books as you wanted to. Great, awesome. So I feel like I started with Young Jedi Knights. I yeah. feel like I, but not in order because, you right. know, whoever put them up at Barnes & Noble just, like, didn't know. flung them <laughs> on the shelf. <laughs> So I feel like I started with with young with young Jedi Knights, and because and that's also sort of the like thing that would have appealed to me, you know, having been everybody's right. little sister was good, and if you couldn't have that, you know, having everybody's like kids is also good. Right. This like Jason and Jaina Solo, yeah. <laughs> and little Anakin Solo, little Anakin Solo. I never, yeah. Yeah, yeah. My sister read the Junior Jedi Knight series, which Ooh. I feel like we should maybe try to get her here to do Absolutely. a guest spot to talk about those. <laughs> but they were very similar to the Young Jedi Knight, except just focused on like Anakin Solo's adventures, which I did end up reading. I I'm going to need to read these because <laughs> they're geared towards like if Young Jedi Knights are geared toward adolescents, Junior Jedi Knights sort of geared to like fourth or fifth graders. Um, but sort of fit in with that. And yeah, I definitely ended up Young Jedi Knights. I, I was very... I did not discriminate. No, I... <laughs> Star Wars on the front. I definitely... Young Jedi Knights and the Jedi Academy series were yes. the ones that I knew the best because I got Young Jedi Academy series as like an audio cassette series yes. for Christmas one year. And I mean... Years and as long as there was a cassette player in my room for years after that, I would just you know, one day randomly pop in the first tape, and from then on, you know, right. com- you listen to the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, I do remember like going to the library and getting audiobooks of the series out. I remember listening after I had read it, listening to Courtship of Princess Leia. On I audiobook. also listened to Courtship of Princess Leia on audiobook. Yeah, and I remember like doing puzzles in my room or like whatever, and just like having it. Yeah, on in the like background cleaning my room I feel like it was usually like my cl- like yeah. that, that's how I would like keep myself going <laughs> I had to clean my room which feels just like a very heavy and never ending task yeah. as a child yes. right oh, it's just like fighting that happened <laughs> of cleaning your room um, I also loved the Tales of series which was like I had I think the first one I read was Tales of Jabba's Palace which was just like little short stories about all the people that you saw or people aliens <laughs> creatures that you saw in Jabba's Palace um, I remember hysterically crying at the story of the Rancor tamer <laughs> because he like really loved he loved that Rancor so much. Well, I mean, that actor really committed to that performance. <laughs> it's a really sad story. Um, and there was like tales of, I think the Canteen um, was like, B. Arthur in it. <laughs> B. Arthur. I don't actually don't remember because I didn't fully see the Star Wars Holiday Special. I think, well, I, I did, I had it on VHS, a really terrible copy of it, but I don't think I ever got through it until we watched it. Yeah, no, a few together. years ago was the first time I'd, I'd only heard Tale of, so. Yeah, and I, it delivered. It oh, delivered yeah, the no, most you awful. cannot. <laughs> Those listening, if you're curious, if it's, uh, all that they say it is, it's that and more. Yeah, you, it, can't. you can't even imagine <laughs> the insanity that happened. Is the Star Wars holiday special canon? Yeah, I think it, at least under Lucas. It kind of has to be. Like, I know that, you know, George Lucas was, like, deeply 
sad that it exists still. Yeah. You know, he doesn't want anyone to know about it, but I also don't think that he ever just like came out and shook the etch a sketch on it either. No. Yeah, and it was the introduction of like Boba Fett and mm-hmm. I know I had a like a very comprehensive, although now it's probably useless, but a comprehensive like visual Star Wars dictionary and like Chewie's family from Holiday Special was in it. Like they and that was released by Lucasfilm, so Yeah, so it's still I think it was at least up until the new canon was yeah. canon. <laughs> Life day. Just last. <laughs> God. How did you celebrate Life Day? <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, so I tended to prefer the stories that stayed, like, as close to the characters I was familiar yes. with as, as possible. And especially, like, the ones I preferred. So I was always, you know, very much... My heart was in the Han and Leia storylines much more than Luke's storylines. Yeah, um, had much more sort of identification with, I mean, like the woman, obviously, and then sort of like the insecure smartass who's projecting confidence. Like those are all yeah. characteristics I identify with. Um, yeah, I love the Han Solo trilogy. I think it was just called the Han Solo trilogy, which is like, which will be interesting when the Solo movie comes out to sort of compare. But it was, you know, three books about his sort of life before meeting up with Luke Skywalker um, and Mos Eisley. And I loved that series. Um, yeah, I love the books about the kids. So Young Jedi Knight series, but also there was one called, I think it was, it's like taking me way back, The Crystal Star, Ooh. which was like about um, the three kids get kidnapped. Um, of course they do. <laughs> like, you know, and... I think they get kidnapped by some sort of, like, weird evil alien. Um, so those kinds of stories... I mean, I was very much... Um, I was into the Han Leia story, and I was also really into sort of the Joss and Jane. Uh, yeah. Like, what are they up to? <laughs> <laughs> their sort of personalities. Um, how they sort of developed from their parents and what they Yeah, they and, were... It was an interesting... It was an interesting... So, I mean, I guess, I mean, we've been talking for for a while here. Well, we can, I think we could afford to talk more. Let's, I think we're doing good. Um, Let's see, what else can we talk about with Star Wars? Okay, so how would you, how do you feel as someone who loved the Star Wars Expanded Universe, Mm -hmm. seeing the stories progress along different lines in the movies? I think, I I, I think generally feel fine about it. I, I, I was introduced to this, like, world-breaking, I think, very early on. There was a series of books that were for children in the Star Wars universe that were about Han and Leia's kids, that, and they were not Jason and Jaina. So I, I, I will Google this and find <laughs> what it was. But it was just, like, a one-off series that they ended up just not going in that expanded universe direction. And I had that series, and then I also had Young Jedi Knights. And so that was my first, like, mind-blown realization that, oh... People aren't, like, in a room necessarily, like, talking through all of this. Turns out, I think that now that they I are, think they are <laughs> now. in a room. Um, but I remember feeling very unhappy, like, inexplicably <laughs> that that existed. That, like, there was a version of history that, like... So, like, you wanted the coherence. I really... I was really into coherence. And I think it's why I love television nowadays. Because <laughs> TV is so meticulous about, like, building coherent yeah. worlds. Um it, that's very comforting to me. Like when you have something that sort of can be discarded, I think. Yeah. Something, especially as a kid, just felt like, well, then what is this? Like, right. No, and like things now are made to be like rewatched and made to be like opened up and studied in a way that they just right. didn't anticipate. Right. And, and so for like as an 11 year old Meg, like that is what I wanted <laughs> was like a, a coherent universe that like could be created and was, you know, throughout sort of the same. Um, and so. I, you know, when the they announced that they were sort of, like, discarding the expanded universe. I mean, I think I had already sort of come to terms with the fact that, like, The Force Awakens was not going to be based on, right? A, you know, an expanded universe book. I, I mean, I, I was sort of sad that they were sort of discarding it and building a new canon. Because at this point, I sort of feel okay enough with that. Like, they're both existing at the same time. And I guess they do in some... Right, they've preserved... I mean, I think... I mean, they say they're calling it Star Wars Legends, and right. so it's still out there. They're not, like, discontinuing printing the books or right. whatever. And I'm, I'm, I assume that they're discontinuing, like, 
publishing yeah, new version. Sure, they're not still writing about right the surviving solo child. <laughs> oh god, <laughs> wait till we get to that. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I do, and that is sort of disappointing to me that like they aren't because I lo- like Kevin J. Anderson who wrote like all so of many, them. all <laughs> the good ones. Yes. Um, and I know he wrote like expanded stuff for but then, Dune and things like so yeah. still writing. But like th- that to me feels like a shame that you sort of not only that you're sort of discontinuing or putting that aside and saying that this is not canon, but then saying well, but we're not going to actually do anything more with it. Um, it would you know not that I've been reading them recently but um to just completely stop yeah no i mean i feel like it was a very like kind of thriving community that is worth worth remaining invested in even though like i also had not read an expanded universe book in quite a while i would still sometimes like just like go onto wikipedia and just like check in with how the characters (laughs) were doing not well is the answer (laughs) but um Yeah, I mean, I loved it so much. It brought me so much joy that I had to feel just a little bit of sadness at the idea that, like, everything published before 2014 is, like, no longer longer considered canon. But then they choose these sort of, like, individual elements to bring forward into the canon. So, like, Grand Admiral Thrawn, who's a major character in the Expanded Universe, is now a canon character from the Star Wars Rebels cartoon, Um, which... To me, it gives me that same sensation as when I see, like, an actor wearing a Fight Club t-shirt in a Brad Pitt movie, right. where I'm just like, wait a second. Yeah, you can't. <laughs> you're either here or you're not, right? right? Like, either, either bring them all on board. You're either you're all coming or none of you are coming. <laughs> and especially, like, the ones that came out after the prequels and before Force Awakens. Yes. So the ones that were dealing with, like, prequel stuff. Yeah. Like, are those still canon? Because some of them did tie into the later books. So, like, the early history of, like, the Sith doing their thing and Exar Kun, because Exar Kun oh, is right, a big yeah. guy later. I don't know if that's... I assume that some of them aren't. I guess yeah. it depends if they sort of get mentioned. And I... I because Clone Wars is canon. Yes. series the is The Clone canon. Wars cartoon is legit. And Rebels is canon yeah anytime images have been in motion right that's, <laughs> that's, canon. that's canon words on the page those right. aren't durable in the yeah. same way um so like mara jade isn't isn't i think mara jade's gone that's a shame <laughs> <laughs> just she was great yeah, yeah mara jade. so and i mean i think so on the one hand a bummer on the other hand i totally totally get it because in a lot of ways i felt like the characters were very like the characters we knew from the movies were very static right. in the expanded universe, right? So right. like Han Solo, he kept right. showing up being Han Solo. You right. know, he was just the same guy doing the same stuff, right. the same age, mm-hmm. right? Like his kids were teenagers. I think he was still thirty two. Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I the age thing we could talk about that, <laughs> but I always tried to like figure out the timeline. Yeah, <laughs> the, it never really. There's made a so whole many adventures sense. happening, and but like their lives just are not moving forward. Right, like they're still in this like same space with these same attitudes doing these same things and that's really challenging to work with like on film you know in like serialized novels it's fine but if you're going to bring Harrison Ford back and be like all right get on your same outfit and (laughs) you know be doing the exact same stuff and I mean Han was in some ways like the least changed he was but even you know he was like tired and you know I mean so that's just Harrison Ford but (laughs) I do think it's interesting the kind of like subtle ways that the expanded universe has um crept into this sort of new canon the idea of like Luke starting a Jedi Academy yeah that was very well established in the expanded universe Ben Solo who is sort of a combination of like Hanalea's kids and Luke's Luke has ends up having a son named Ben right Ben Skywalker which makes way more sense than Hanalea having a kid named Ben Han hated him. <laughs> like, like, Han hated him. They, there was never a kind word exchange. Leia never met him, as I mean, far as I know. Like, does she even know? Like, I was thinking, well, maybe, you know, because he was the one who sort of brought her and to her new family, but, like, would she have known? Very tangentially, you know. That? Yeah, yeah. And, like, I, she, I guess she was the one Because her message is, you know, years ago, you served my father during right, the Clone so Wars, so it's not like... <laughs> Not like, oh, we saw you last Life Day. Right. <laughs> now we need you. So, like, he was not really much of anything to either one of them. Right. Also, yeah, like, 
going by Ben, as far as I know, he only did on Tatooine, right? right. Like, the and man's was name was Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan. Yeah. So they just, it's really strange. But I do think that, like, maybe they just liked the name Ben. <laughs> and Luke got all excited. And right. was like, oh my gosh, for Ben Kenobi. And they were like, oh, yeah. Absolutely. That, right. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah, it is interesting. And then, I, you know, the, the idea of him, like, teetering on the dark side is, like, what happens to Every All of Han and Leia's kids <laughs> at one point or another either completely fall to the dark side. Yeah, or, or they're tempted by the dark side. Yeah, so that is, you know, and I guess in some ways I'm like, oh, well, obviously, like, that would be an interesting storyline for, yeah, you know, episode six through nine. But at the same time, like, it's clearly sort of taking inspiration from what was going on in the expanded universe. Yeah, and I mean, also this idea of, like, Han and Leia are terrible parents. Right. Like, that <laughs> continues throughout. <laughs> that continues throughout. The uh, the technology that they go with in Force Awakens, mm. the, um, the Starkiller yeah, Star base Killer. is very much like the Sun Crusher. Yeah. It has the exact same power. Right. Um, so, and I mean... I wonder if some of that was intentional to like bring bring things forward for like that kind of like fan familiarity because so much of Force Awakens seems to have been like rebuilding trust with the Star Wars community, (laughs) right? Like here we are, we've got like practical effects, we're in a desert, we've got you know like all this stuff, like it's going to be okay, right? Right? We've brought back the props, things do good. Here's the actors you love. We're not going to talk about any of this other stuff you hate. Like it's. It's okay. This is the story arc we already know you're good with. It's going to be okay. And of course, you know, the age of the internet, the unhappiest voices are the loudest voices. Right. People are like, this is so derivative. This is the right. same old thing. And like, all right, we set it up. You're in. Right. Here's Last Jedi to do everything Change differently. Yeah. I'm like, and we hate this too. <laughs> I mean, I think I was always in a bit of a Star Wars bubble when it came to fandom. And, you know, my sister and I enjoyed it a lot. I... But I think because of the time in which we started in the Star Wars universe, like I talked a little bit about the internet, there wasn't like those loud voices were hard to find. Like yeah. you had to search. No, they were like they. I'm sure they had you know message boards and some right. early message boards, but they weren't. You know, if you they weren't heard. If you were writing an article about you know reactions to the new Star Wars movie, you would just go stand outside the movie theater. You right. wouldn't find them on yeah. the internet. So, like in a way that I think that if I was that eight, if I was, you know, 10 or 11 now, just starting to get into Star Wars, I think those kinds of voices would be much louder and would maybe have an effect. I think it would be, I think it would make it less attractive. I think it would be, it would be discouraging of getting involved. And I mean, certainly I saw, like I said, like my Star Wars experience was very much like my individual connection to Star Wars. I didn't have any of these ideas of like, what a Star Wars fan was like or what a Star Wars fan was interested in or who is or is not a Star Wars fan. Um, I also think that just generally childhood was less gendered than this idea that like Star Wars is for boys or Star Wars, you know, that because when I was in the first grade and I started watching Power Rangers, so I knew what the kids were talking about on recess. No one said like, oh, Power Rangers is for boys. You're not going to like it. Yeah. Um, They're just like, yeah, we're all, we're all Power Rangers. Yeah. Yeah, And I think pretty early on after my Star Wars experience is when my dad first took me to a science fiction convention, which I have not been to in a very long time. (laughs) But as a kid, like that was eye opening in the sense that like I did see fans but it was such a small convention. It was on Long Island. It was called Icon. I think they still do it every year. But the the tone of that convention was so open and happy and, like, inviting. And it never felt like you were stupid for liking <laughs> a certain thing or for having an opinion about a certain, um, you know, science fiction movie or fantasy movie. And I think things are much different. I think it's a much harsher yeah, world I, to live in. And I don't know if that happened with... The, the prequels yeah. or if it happened just sort of like with the way internet discourse works or if it's just sort of like a ferocity with which people have like held on to the the things that they loved in their childhood but like fandom seems to be a little less joyful yes now than yeah. it used to be and it's not just star wars right it's like right. also like comic book right. fandom like if you loved comic books in you know the 70s and 
well, yeah. I don't know about the eighties, but if you love comic books back then, they were like really easy to get into, right? right? And I, I say this because I had a bunch of like hand me down comic books. Like you could pick up any issue of Superman and right. be like, there he goes, he's Superman. Right. Look at him go. <laughs> yeah. right. You don't need to know anything. You don't need to know anything. And uh, when I was reading comic books, my dad just like randomly picked up an issue of Fantastic Four and was like, oh, here's Fantastic Four. I liked this when I was a kid. You might right. like it. And it was incoherent to me right. right like it's in the middle of a really advanced storyline that they've been doing for a really long time there's there's no foothold there's no point of entry which is not necessarily like an incorrect thing to do but it's just it's right. very different there are fewer open doors um right in yeah and i think maybe that was a great thing about the expanded universe is that like every book was sort of like an open door into this like labyrinthian Right. world of Star Wars that you could immerse yourself in and there was no one way in or out that yeah. you could have like a million paths yeah. to and choose. It does seem like fandom today is a much more boxed in that like there seems to be rules. Yeah. Like if you're a fan of the Marvel Universe like these are the opinions that you're supposed to have and right. sort of like be able to communicate with other fans uh, and it's it was I, I felt like it was so much more open back then that there was and maybe it was because we were in these sort of bubbles that yeah, but there's I just, no judgment I feel like there was a lot more space for like idiosyncrasies in your right. loves you know you could love Star Wars and Battlestar Galactica but not Star Trek or right. you could love you know Mario and Luigi's Haunted Mansion but not Mario Party or you know whatever it right. is that you want to be part of and now there's right. this like idea that you have to prove the like authenticity of your identity right through like saying a series of shibboleths right, the exact right, right the exact like, right way you have to have some sort of like like knowledge like right in order to enter you have to space. study like you need to study before you go to the fan convention right especially you know if we're talking about girlhood especially as like a right, girl right, that you yeah. are somehow like suspect I mean, there's certainly, right. I'd say, like, been a lot of backlash against that. There's been a lot of pushback, yes. but I think that it's still, yeah, I think it's still a narrow, a narrow pathway. Yeah. It's like yeah. publicly love right. things Something. that, like, a certain population has decided is only for them yeah. to publicly love. Yeah. And I never felt that. No, as I a kid. I never felt like Star Wars wasn't for me. Right. I felt like it was exactly. I felt like Star Wars <laughs> was for me alone. Right. <laughs> I mean, I didn't feel territorial about it, but it felt it felt like exactly what I needed. Right. You know, it felt like exactly what I needed moment. to see, exactly what I needed yeah. to hear. Were these sort of yeah simple, but also like emotionally resonant yeah. messages. And I think like you mentioned mythology really early on, and I think that's sort of like where. You know, I think maybe for both of us that comes from is like these are stories that are like timeless stories that have existed. That's sort of like Joseph Campbell. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Hero's journey like, get repeated over and over again, and to see it in the sort of like sci-fi fantasy. And I think you're right that like Star Wars actually falls much more under sort of like fantasy western than a science fiction film series. To see it in that format when I was so into things like Back to the Future, like Close Encounters of the Third Kind, like the Jim Henson worlds. That it was like, oh, this is exactly... Yeah, and I mean, Back to the Future, now that I've been, like, reflecting on it, is, like, connected in a lot of ways because they do have this, like, science fiction technology, but it's used in a very, like, fantasy way, right? right. Like, it doesn't matter how right. it works. It's just here. It's, right. It's, and, it's all, and it's very much, like, a multi-generational story of, like, fathers and sons and, right. like, actions reverberating and, right. and like, know, things like that. Themselves. And, like, trying this, like... The idea that the universe can be made right and right. that, like, you have the power to make it that way right. is, you know, yeah. a very appealing yeah. kind of... And I wonder if that, like, technology... This may be off in a tangent, but, like, if that... Because I, I think we've had this conversation before about, I think, films and television, maybe because of that sort of, like, continuity problem, like, feel the need, I think, nowadays to explain things more. And with movies like Star Wars and Back to the Future, the originals, like you said, like we don't need to know how this works. Like, here's a machine. It looks cool. Except, like, things I think were sort of accepted as, I just accept that the, the Death Star can blow up a planet. Like, right, you don't like, need to explain it to me you know, any more than that. And I mean, and I loved Rogue One, but this yeah. idea of, like, well, who built it and why? And right. where where has it been? This one was like, who cares? Yeah, like, we don't need to know. <laughs> it's the thing. It's the same thing with Snoke. Like, where's he been? How did he become right, powerful? No. Where the Force were? Like, does not matter. Here right. now. Big scary guy. Evil. Go. Right. And <laughs> that's those sort of, like, stories, right, that, that 
are sort of iconic and you do not need the extra information to make those stories resonant or right, yeah, emotional. They're, they're dealing much more in archetypes than in individuals, right. right? Like it doesn't matter like what Snoke's childhood was like. Right. You know, he's like, no, nobody wants to know. <laughs> <laughs> Except I would like to know why he wears his pajamas. He's like a very Hugh Hefner sort of evil figure. He's 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 risen through the ranks high enough that he can dress for comfort as he's wearing gym jams to rule the universe. Yeah. So so that's I guess so. I feel like we've sort of established like that's our starting point. This is where we're this is where we're coming from. And so going forward, what we're seeking to do is to like reconstruct the experience of moving for the moving through the expanded universe, right. retracing our girlhood steps. Right. To sort of see see like what what did we see then? What was the love then? Does it does it hold up? Or even if it doesn't, you know, hold up in the same way, what is there to love now? Right. Like what 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 can be found in yeah. these these novelizations yeah. that meant so much um, in the past. So uh, we're not going to be looking at Wikipedia. No, um, we're going to try to avoid. We're going to try to <laughs> avoid. We're just going to go in with. So there's a very real chance that you'll hear things that are wrong. Yeah, um, I mean, so we're I think probably things written in them are, are wrong. wrong. Everything's wrong. Guys. It's a free for all. So, but we're going through this as like as as you said, uh, we're we're fans, not experts. So right. this isn't like an educational Star Wars podcast. This is a podcast that's just for you know enjoying and reminiscing right and and, about experience and i think probably other pop culture films tv shows will make yeah. their way in as they sort of uh, resonate with the things that we're talking about yeah absolutely so we're going to we're going to start with the young jedi knights mm-hmm. series i love court <laughs> slay but we gotta we gotta build we're slow. gonna hold <laughs> put that one in our pocket and so what is the first young jedi knights book I should that have done my work. Is it, I feel like all of the Expanding Universe books have the word shadow in them. Yeah, there's definitely... <laughs> it was a shadowy place. There was like a trilogy, a first trilogy, There's like several... Tri- I think there's three trilogies. I think the first one was like them... Okay, so the first what they is when they're fighting against the Dark Jedi. We're going to have to talk about his name. Yeah. How <laughs> to pronounce it. And his Shadow Academy. Shadow Academy. So the first, the first <laughs> arc is the Shadow Academy. So we're going to start with Heirs of the Force. Okay. Book one of Young Jedi Knights, the beginning yeah. of the Shadow, Aca- Shadow Academy series. Kevin J. Anderson and his wife, I believe. Is it by his, is it just yes his right wife uh, Rebecca Mosta yeah I believe that they were a married couple yeah, yeah. so we're going to pick up with yeah. Jason and Jaina Solo and so they're friends next we come back we will have read Heirs uh, yes. of the Force and mm-hmm. we will be here to sort of work through that story with each other um so if you're listening to us you know feel free to read along but don't feel like you have to right it's not necessarily like an assignment the goal goal is for the podcast to be enjoyable like regardless of whether or not you've read the book it's a young adult series you'll read it you'll read it in no time (laughs) but feel free to you know join the conversation we're going to be creating you know our internet presence yes come find us facebook twitter instagram Like, subscribe, tell the world. Yeah. <laughs> we're here. We're here. We're we're coming back. Yeah. We'll we'll hear from you soon. Awesome. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Adolescence After Alderon. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Join in with us online to keep up with the latest and let us know your thoughts. We're on Twitter at Adolescence underscore Alderaan. You can like us on Facebook or follow us on Instagram. Both of those accounts are named Adolescence After Alderaan. Or just send us an email, adolescenceafteralderaan at gmail.com. We also have a blog with show notes, adolescenceafteralderaan.wordpress.com. Thanks again. Bye.